the big brain behind Yahoo Sports. Check out the big brain on bread. Rivals.com. <laughs> Why are you laughing over there? Welcome to the Trojansports.com podcast with Blair Angulo, Chris Watson, and Adam J. Maya. The, the Trojansports.com podcast. It's fun. Isn't football fun? <laughs> it's fun, Blair. That kicks off. Thank you for the landing. Right, right now. now. Right now. Welcome back to the Trojansports.com podcast. I am Blair Angulo, West Coast recruiting analyst for Rivals.com, joined by Adam Maya, staff writer for Trojansports.com. And Adam, the madness, the madness was upon us. How was uh, how was your weekend? How was your week? <laughs> I, are we going to talk about March Madness or my weekend? Just all the madness. You can talk about whatever you want. This is the Adam Maya co-hosted podcast. I want to know more about you. We usually talk about me. Could you watch... Insurgent? No, no, I didn't. Uh, I'm gonna wait. I think until it comes out on Netflix. You, 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 you go a thing where like if you go to the theater, people recognize you. They're like, oh my gosh, like, he's in the movie. You're, you're there and you're there. Right? No, no. I, I, I'm just gonna wait for it to be on Netflix and then I could just watch. That's it gonna from, be a while from now. Yeah. Well, you know, you have to wait sometimes. What about Whiplash? Did you watch it? No. I why told would, you, be- dude. I'm busy. Didn't I, didn't I tell you last week that I'm planning a wedding? This for, for 2017. You're mm-hmm. part of the 2017 class. Anyway, so that takes up all my free time. Um, but I'll watch those movies. Don't worry. I'll watch Watch and then, Whiplash. And then we'll, we'll make a separate pad- podcast where we're reviewing the movies. We should watch it while we're recording. Well, there's a lot of free time for you, especially because USC didn't practice last week. They You're went right. on. They went on spring break. They did. And you know, I'm, I'm still. I still follow some of these players that are on the team. You know, on social media and all that. Just because, you know, you you kind of grow close to these guys, just covering their recruitments and and you, you yeah. know, you, you you know how it is. Like a stalker. <laughs> right. Right. You're just stalking them. Juvenile. Right. So you can yeah. kind of see some of these guys. You know, going out on spring break. Like there was a few that went shopping, and a couple others went out to the islands, and there's a couple that went out to UCLA. <laughs> and did the undie run? Uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, I that's texted. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, what did what did um, I guess? What did you take away from the week? Just kind of absorbing the two weeks of spring practice that that have already happened, and kind of reviewing it. Um, what you know? What what's the major takeaway for you right now, heading into this third week? Well, Sark made this point before we wrapped up, or right when we wrapped up uh, week two, that. It feels like they have two spring breaks. I mean, excuse me, two spring camps, which is really good, I think. I think that it was very competitive for two weeks. And ordinarily, in a week three, they would be a little bit burned out. And they won't be. They're going to begin tomorrow, on Tuesday. And I feel like they're going to be starting over again. Is this, is, this out of, yeah, is this out of the ordinary? Do they usually split it up? I don't recall them having this break in between. It's been a while since I've covered spring camp, so it's hard for me to answer that. But um, I, I don't remember them doing it like right in the middle like this. Right, where usually, they get a spring break. I think usually they would begin practice like after they came back from break. Right, right. Or they would not even leave campus, right? Like you would assume that you know they have a, yeah. pra- a week of practice and then they get spring break, but they don't really have a spring break. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean... So the energy level was consistently right. high. Right. Um, you, you just saw a lot of people that, you know, had maybe like a smaller role last year that were really fighting to either prove themselves or establish themselves. 
and I feel like we're going to get three more weeks of that. And some of those red shirts have been lifted now, so these guys know that, hey, you know, right. I'm not going to red shirt. I'm playing. I'm playing if I prove myself, and that's why you see the competitiveness. That's why you see the intensity level. And like you mentioned, I think this break is a great thing, and, and, and you know, maybe if it works out the way Sarkeesian has kind of envisioned it, it's working out, you know, something that they could uh, revisit next year too because, you know, if you're going to get two – you know, high level weeks and then give them a week off to rest and you get another two or, or two and a half, uh, three, you know, <laughs> leading up to this, to the spring game. Right. Um, then you, uh, obviously get the most out of all of these practices. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I like it. Um, we've seen, um, we've seen the team try to, I, I think, figure out like its identity early on. Um, I think last spring they were, you know, <laughs> They were brand new. The coaching staff was new. It was such an introduction that they weren't even really even working toward um, a personality until the end of fall camp, where now I feel like they're already doing that. So Yeah, speaking of the identity, mm-hmm. there were guys last year on the team, mm-hmm. you know, best player on the team. Mm-hmm. Leonard Williams, you could throw into that conversation. Yeah. Nelson Aguilar, mm-hmm. you want to throw in Buck Allen for some reason, but I, I think, I think, I <laughs> for think, some reason. I think Nelson Aguilar and Leonard Williams were by far the best, the top and best players on that team. You know that Buck ran for nearly fifteen hundred yeah. yards. Yeah, but he wasn't even the Pac-12 leading rusher, so let's just kind of erase that one. Who's the best player on this team now? Hmm. If you would have asked me in January, without hesitation, I would say Sua Cravens. Right now, I feel like Sua has company. Adore Jackson is right on his heels. I think they're the two best by a good amount. Where does Juju Smith fall in that? Top five. In the top five. Juju. Who, ra- who rounds out your top five with Sua and, and Adore and Juju? Mm, Cody. And... Cody Kessler for for those listeners that don't know his last Cody name. Cody Kessler. So I, I always call him Cody, as if like you know that's my. Yeah, point. and he calls you Hey Man. <laughs> um, help me out here. Who 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 belongs in this top five? Justin Davis, maybe. Yeah, I like Justin Davis a lot. Yeah, you think Stephen Mitchell has a shot? Well, I, I want to get into him a little bit later. Okay, I know, but, but I know, but yeah. we're right now we're kind of breaking down the top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he's trying to break into that top five but yeah on the forefront of it um cody kessler any incoming Juju, freshman that you Vittori, expect yeah any inc- incoming freshman probably amon marshall to break in like that yeah well i mean like yeah we saw juju and adori do that last year but you never expect that now i do i, I think i think given that i don't know biggie will be a starter it's hard to he will. just put him you know he'll be a starter but like as the what the nickel or as a corner and they move Adore over to Nick? He's going to start regardless. They're going to find a way to, to start him. There's no way he comes Are to USC. Are you talking about Kevon? There's no way Iman Marshall comes to USC without knowing that he's going to be a starter. I think Kevon, too, belongs in this top five conversation. Maybe. Maybe. All right, he so, looks really good. So you mentioned Sua now has some competition for the best player on the team, um, but he, you know, we know he's as versatile as any guy on this team. Yeah. Um, you know, I I've always believed that he'd 
could have been a five-star receiver or even a five-star running back coming out of high school Um, what about safety is that is that still a possibility for him I didn't think so and then we talked to him um, at the end of uh, at the the end of their the last practice before they went on break and he said that depending on who they play he can be used in that way and so he said he's a full-time linebacker but he kind of left the door open that, you know, don't be surprised if, you know, certain opponents have him moving back to that role. So, I mean, it would be occasional. It wouldn't be anything, uh, you know, permanent. So is Sue the best player on this team? I thought we just talked about Yeah, that. but you said Adori is... Kinda... Adori's pushing him because Adori okay. is, w- so isn't is Adori, a So is Adori number two? I mean... It, is that what you're saying one, right now? One A or two, yeah. Okay. Yeah, without question. Adori, depending on how much they give him on offense, I mean, I feel like Adori can be the, the most impactful player for sure, but we we don't know. And the campaign has started. The Heisen campaign. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the numbers. I, I alluded to them a week ago. I got them in front of me now. This is unbelievable. Adori Jackson, 2014 freshman year. He had 49 tackles, 4 for loss, 10 deflections. Charles Woodson, 1997 Heisman year as a junior, 44 tackles, 5 for loss, 9 deflections. Wow. But he had 8 picks. Adore didn't have any. But let me, let me keep going here. Adore had 10 catches, 138 yards, 3 touchdowns. Woodson had 12 catches, 238 yards, 2 touchdowns. And then finally, uh, Woodson had 36 punt returns for 300 yards and a touchdown. Adore had 23 kickoff returns, 700 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, but I think he's now he's going to be fighting an uphill battle because I think the the Heisman voters aren't as open. Oh yeah, you know we touched on this last week. No, we touched on this last week. You ridiculed me. No. I didn't say that. that yeah. I ridiculed you for for saying that Johnny Manziel wasn't electric, no, no, and for I, saying I, James I Winston say wasn't electric. I was saying that they, they would go to like the award would traditionally go to um, like a really explosive player in general, and it could be a receiver or a running back um, or like a combo hybrid player. You know, not just the quarterback. Right. Where now it's like gonna go to the face, the face of the, college football, the top quarterback on a top team. Right. Right, and uh, that's what I'm saying. Adore is, like you yeah. mentioned last week, is I, I wasn't disagreeing with you. You're mm. over here just calling, calling shots. Wow. Mm. Okay. Uh, so what about the quarterback positions? You know, <laughs> since we are on that topic, okay. Cody Kessler versus Max Brown. How have you uh, seen that competition? I mean, it's not really a battle for yeah. the QB spot, but but that you know how they're pushing each other uh, through the first two weeks. I think there is a push. I think Max Brown has actually outplayed Cody by a little bit, and I mean this is you know marginal. Nothing. I'm not saying that to like that can come off like I'm saying Cody's not playing well. I think Cody is playing well. I think Max is playing really well. I think Max kind of bears the brunt of playing with um, some of their lesser receivers. So he doesn't always look great because there there are a lot of drop balls and there's a little bit of miscommunication. But individually, I feel like he's a little bit ahead of Cody. Um, Cody is doing fine. I think I like the way that he's kind of um, throwing a little bit sharper, throwing a little bit harder, and has 
gotten rid of some of the lift on his ball on his intermediate passes. They're not just like hanging up there like they would from time to time, um, or even the skate ball from time to time. You know, they would they would kind of hang up there, and you know they don't really have the receivers that are active like that that go up and get a jump ball and are big and I mean they're trying to develop that you know and they're going to bring in Jaquan Hampton and but Whitney's still learning the playbook so you know he can't really he can't really their passing attack can't you know play out like that so Cody has to I think be a little bit more assertive and throw with a little bit more velocity and I think he's doing that but I'm still, you know, I mean, I'm being honest here, right? I still think that there's something to be uh, to be desired from him. Yeah, no, I agree. I've, you know, we've we've been consistent with that, saying it throughout the year, even when he was putting up those crazy stats. We expect him to put up crazy numbers again this year. Um, but there are some instances where Cody Kessler struggles with with things. Uh, he kind of goes into ruts during games. Um, and like you mentioned, Max Brown doing what he's doing with the second unit is obviously going to push him to be better, and that's what you want to see. What what have you seen from Ricky Town? Because he's a mid-year enrollee uh, already on campus, been working out yeah. players, and, and he's always been a big seller of USC. And now to finally see him wearing all the gear and, and yeah. throwing the football around uh, – is uh, you know it's funny to kind of see now you know tracking him for a couple of years, but what have you seen from him the the first two weeks of spring practice? Mr. Trojan, that's why I call him. He he's a freshman, you know. He's a <laughs> the kid should be going to his prom soon, and so he's looked good at times. Uh, I forget which day it was now, but um, in that second week, he had a great day, his best day. Um, but then you know maybe the day before it was not the greatest. We're, we're seeing him be very up and down, very inconsistent. One thing that I like is that um, I saw in the throwing sessions, he'd have, he'd have a hard time throwing to the far side, kind of like across his body. And I feel like he's already stronger, already making that throw better and getting it there a little bit quicker. And so, I mean, for him, it's, it's baby steps. And I, I think Helkin is, you know, proud of him so far. But... Um, not really any strong opinions with him right now. Um, you know, he he will redshirt without question, and, and that's fine. You touched on Stephen Mitchell earlier, uh, maybe in the conversation conversation to be in the top five for both for best player on this squad. Uh, but he's making a run, obviously, for number two receiver behind Juju Smith. Well, you know what? The question you would think would be, you know, is he the number two guy? I think he's making a push for number one. I feel like he might end up with more catches than Juju. I feel like he you might think be he's going to be Nelson Aguilar. Well, because he really um, is, I think, naturally fit for that slot position. Yeah. Which is what Cody's so comfortable like looking toward. Um, you know, the guy running those routes. I mean, Nelson really kind of took that job. Yeah, all the underneath stuff, just right. reading defenses, kind of you know sitting in the soft spots and in coverages and yeah. all that. And Steven's great at that. He can do. I mean, he can do everything. Right. He can get downfield. And I, I think he's very underrated in regards to when he has the ball in his hands already. You right. Know, right. After the in ca- space. Yeah, after the catch, yeah. that's when he he did a lot of his damage in high school. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Kessler turns him into Nelson Aguilar 2.0. Yeah, I think he's a little bit different. I mean, he, I guess I shouldn't have said that because what I was going to say right now is that, you know, I think he, he fights for the ball and Nelson did too. But I feel like Mitchell can, can be explosive. He can be a real downfield threat. He can really play every position. He's not, you know, tall. He's 5'11", so 
he's a little bit rusty on the outside, but I feel like he's more well-rounded than Juju. He's more uh, more polished, and so I feel like he's. I keep saying that he's giving Juju a push for sure as the top receiver on the team. I did not expect that. Um, before camp began, I projected that Juju would be number two. I mean, excuse me, Juju one, Mitchell two. But now I'm looking at them, and I feel like number the number one spot is open. Are you in the minority here, or, or is that something that Steve Sarkeesian has also kind of elaborated on? On uh, Mitchell, a little bit. No, I mean, because Juju's pretty much been anointed the number one receiver. And a lot of the and line you're of, there to take it away from him and give it to Steve Mitchell. <laughs> well, the line of questioning is kind of like leading up to that, right? You right. know, with, with whether it's with Cody or with Sark or or even Juju himself. But if you're watching the practice, you can see that. Oh, I mean, Mitchell's been the best receiver in camp. He's caught more balls. He's, you know, been their 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 number one guy. But I mean, not that that gives him the number one role either. I just feel like that that spot is open. Okay, Adam. My next question is goaltending. <laughs> Are we going to talk about it? Um, I mean, you want to, right? Get, can I want? I want to know what you thought. Uh, definitely goaltending. Definitely goaltending. Definitely goaltending. You never know if the ball is going to hit off that rim and whatever. It can, it can hit the rim, though. The ball has to have a shot of going in for it to be goaltending. Did you think that ball had a shot of going in? No, no, it didn't. But With your true blue eyes? No, but it. But the thing is, if it's over the cylinder at all, uh-huh. uh, it's Which goaltending. Which it wasn't? It was. I gave you the photo. No, there's photo evidence of this. <laughs> right. why, why, what's, there, why, why is this even a topic? <laughs> You really think it's goaltending? Yeah, why not? Blair. It was goaltending. Blair. It was goaltending. Come on. It was goaltending. <laughs> you need a polygraph. <laughs> okay, so what about USC baseball? How'd they do this past weekend? They won two out of three. Um, they played Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and they take a, a hard one on Friday in which they were winning, I believe they were winning four to nothing, and they lost five four. But... The thing with uh, that I think that you take away from this is that they're they're in these positions where they have to win a series, and they're down 0-1, and you might find yourself in that position in the playoffs in a in a regional. And so, to win two out of three, they have a you know a really uh, surprising freshman and Mitch Hart on the mound that's won the Sunday game the last two weeks, you know the rubber match game, and so a lot to take away. But um, yeah, I mean it, it's still early. It's not. It's not easy to go out to San Luis Obispo and and win a series. I mean the Cal Poly has has built a, a really really good baseball team there, and for teams to drive up the one hundred one and head up there and try to you know win a series is difficult. So for them to do that, especially bouncing off of a a loss to Fresno State on Tuesday, which you I believe you were at. Yeah. You had to bring it up. You're like the bad luck team or the bad luck charm for this team. So, <laughs> baseball players we know are very superstitious, right? The week before, I was supposed to go to the, the Friday game, and I was unable to make it, and they won. I, I go on Saturday, they lose, and then I was supposed to go Sunday, I got sick, I don't go, they win. And then I go on Tuesday... They lose. And they lose. 
Yeah. I, I felt so weird when I went up to, to talk to, uh, to Coach Dan Hubs and, you know, who I've just gotten acquainted with, and now he sees me again, and, you know, I'm the only reporter there. Right. And I'm like, hey, it's me again. You know, after they get blown out by President State. He probably thinks you walk out of the stands or out of laughing. the press box. Yeah. No, he probably thinks you, you only go up to them after they lose. Right, like, like I, I was just there. Right, he doesn't, know if, he doesn't know if you were there for the home, for the home wins and right. you know, if, you, if they win games and you just don't want to talk to them. Maybe yeah. he thinks you're just there to... Oh, that's... that's you know, you that's look I like him a lot. I, he's one of those guys that you, you ask him, you know, maybe a fairly simple question... Or, you know, you, you, you kind of draw out a, a particular play, and he'll talk about it for three minutes. Yeah, he'll give you the answer, then he'll expand on it and kind of give you layers and all that. Yeah. yeah no, he, Love that. Yeah, he sounds like a great guy. Um, I'm not sure if you're going to do a bumper sticker award. Uh, I mean, last week was kind of a sham. <laughs> I feel like last week you might have lost your privileges to hand out a you bumper sticker award. I'm going to give George Farmer Sr. Uh, your phone number right now. I'm going to give that right now. That's fine. I have two phones. I'll just throw the other one into the toilet. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give him your number and we'll see. We'll see about Sham. Okay, so who's it going to go to this week? Who are we going to wrongfully give this to this week? Now, let me give it Mitch Hart, the, the freshman pitcher who won the series again. Uh, I mean, he had help. He, he, you know, he had a lot of offense behind him. But... Like I mentioned, for him to, to go on the road and win another Sunday game, another rubber match, when um, you know their their top pitcher Brent Wheatley has kind of a back issue, and that's what forced um, another freshman Tyler Gilbert to pitch on Friday, and Gilbert pitched well and then ran into trouble. I think sixth inning they dropped that game. So Mitch Hart comes and, and wins that that third game. Yeah, you give it to Mitch Hart for winning a game, and you don't give it to Will Ferrell for playing in ten games. Okay, playing that, that makes sense. Playing, all right, that makes sense. Well, we'll be right back liberal. on the Sports.com podcast, chatting USC recruiting with Chris Swanson. Keep it right here. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by our rivals. rivals. We're back on the Trojansports.com podcast here with Adam Maya, beat writer for Trojansports.com. I'm Blair Angulo, West Coast recruiting analyst for Rivals.com. And Adam, we, we kind of match today. We're wearing, you're wearing purple. Lilac. Like a lavender. Lilac. Lilac. And I'm kind of wearing, Get a, right. mine's like a lilac with like blue and green and very Easter. You look dapper. I do. Thank you. Have you been going to the tailor? No, no, I should though. That's that's the thing. We were talking about this before we went on the podcast. Is mm-hmm. uh, before I used to spend my money, my allowance on you know baseball cards or candy or a bag of chips, <laughs> right? Hair products. <laughs> and now it's like tailoring my pants <laughs> and paying for a wedding DJ. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the worst. Life is happening. It's the You're worst. growing up. Yeah, but we're joined by Christopher P. Swanson here on the Trojansports.com podcast to chat USC recruiting. He still spends money on candy, by the way. Good. I've traveled with him. He, he's, he brings candy like from the trip. Like he sneaks into his bag. That's the way to go. 
through customs. Yeah, that's the way to go. <laughs> uh, Christopher, uh, a big week for USC coming up because there are a few announcements scheduled. Uh, let's start with KJ Costello, the four-star quarterback from Rancho Santa Margarita Catholic down in South Orange County. Uh, he has a big arm, goes to the school that produced Carson Palmer, obviously a Trojan great. Uh, what's what's your feeling on where KJ is headed? Uh, you know, I think it's a toss-up between USC and Stanford. He has a top three of USC, Stanford, and Michigan. I'd be surprised, you know, if he went across the country to go to Michigan when he had some options out here. Um, but I think it's really between USC and Stanford. USC is obviously the local school with all the football tradition. Um, Stanford has a great academic standing that everybody knows about. And, uh, you know, Stanford's been on KJ really hard uh, for a long time, probably harder than USC has been on. And so I think it's between those two, and I think it's a cock-up right now. Yeah, and, and something very interesting is that USC made such a strong push and such a lengthy run for Shea Patterson, the number one dual threat quarterback from Louisiana who committed to Ole Miss. So that's you know that they spent some of those resources and some of that time, you know, going after that guy when KJ is in their backyard, and and obviously now, it, it, like you mentioned, it is kind of a Chris toss-up. said not to do that. Do you remember? It is kind of, yeah, yeah. What what do you like about KJ Costello? What what is USC or what is Stanford getting in him? I think he's just a guy that you look at, and it's obvious that he's a Division One quarterback at, at a high level. You know, he's a, he's a guy that looks like some of the quarterbacks that USC has had in the past. Uh, maybe, well, maybe even like a Max Brown, kind of just like a prototype, tall, physical type guy. Uh, you know, he has a heck of an arm. And playing the ball all around. I think that last year he proved a lot uh, without having a lot of receivers. In a very tough week, he still put up some decent numbers. So I think, you know, decision-making is good. I think his arm's good. His accuracy. Uh, I saw him at Vegas, and he was just swinging it all around and looking like a five-star, to be quite honest. I think that this is a quarterback that USC has to get a guy like this. You know, they, they, they have to get a guy in this class that's just kind of on that level when he's hanging out there and, and you know, they're looking at him and, and recruiting him. So um, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, USC might not have really had starting for them in, in a while and, and could be a game changer for them maybe, you know, uh, take the program to heights that it's been before but not recently. Yeah, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you believe he's better than anybody that they're looking at, right, for – 2016, 2017, even including who they got in 2015? Uh, you know, I think I think that's fair to say that, you know, he's probably a guy that would be ranked higher than, um, you know, Sam Donald or Ricky Town if they were in the same class. It just seems like he has, you know, more of the tools, more he's kind of like an obvious, uh, you know, high four-star kind of guy and then, it's just obvious what he brings to the table. Um, I think, too, that you look at, you know, through the recruiting in 2017, it's a different kind of kid, but I don't see the same kind of tools that, that Costello has yet anyway, at least those guys obviously have some more time to develop. So, yeah, I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, he's just a must-get for them, really, as a quarterback in their class. They, they need something like that. If they get him, are they not kicking a quarterback in 2017? I think they, I think they still will. Um, I think too, Steve Sarkeesian seems like he likes, uh, some different kinds of guys and, and maybe like a variety on the roster. I think some of the guys they're looking at at 2017 are 
a little bit different than Costello. They kind of wanted the dual threat, uh, spread offense type guys. Costello's kind of that pro style, you know, guy that's just going to fit in with, uh, you know, with come straight forward, run downhill uh, sort of offense. So I think that they would they would take another guy in 2017, or they at least try to just to give them some versatility. And if you look at their roster right now, they have versatility right now. So there's no reason to think that that won't continue. Chris, we're recording this on Monday, and USC is is in the running for another running back from the 2017 class, Stephen Carr. He's from Fontana, California, goes to school at Summit High School. Uh, he's a set to announce tonight. It's between USC, UCLA, Washington, and Colorado. Uh, we're picking the Trojans to, to get him tonight. What are the Trojans getting in Stephen Carr? You know, I think they're, they're getting a pretty versatile back. And, you know, has some great body control, um, can do some different things to them. I think he's pretty fast, but he's not necessarily, you know, one of those smaller, less physical backs that you see a lot in California. I think he can still bring a load uh, for his size. Um, you know, 2017 kid, I want to see him develop more, too. I think that he can develop into something really special, you know, being that he's already pretty special uh, as, a, as a kid that's so young. Uh, it's so early, though. You know, I mean, we're thinking USD because he's basically decided to commit, you know, after getting that offer. He decided that, hey, it's time for me to make my decision. And that kind of, uh, you know, spills the beans a little bit, at least in, in my head. Yeah, uh, another guy. Who knows? He might commit again, you know, in six months or something. So we'll see what happens with that. But it should be an exciting night uh, for USD and an exciting week for their fans. Yeah, another guy that's committing tonight, Lokeni Toyaloa. He's a five star, or four-star inside linebacker from the Inland Empire, but we're expecting it'll be UCLA for him. Uh, USC obviously making a run for him as well, but you know they have some linebackers in that class. Uh, but thanks a lot for joining us, Chris. Thanks, guys. See you. A lot of stuff there for, for USC recruiting fans, uh, for USC football fans. What's the schedule looking like this week? They practice Tuesday and Thursday at 3.30, and then Saturday at 11, all three of them are open to the public. Where are the practices? Um, they're all uh, at the track field. And, you know, with that Saturday one, be mindful that they have changed it the last two weeks. So, you know, we'll update that. But be versatile. Yeah, be ready to come a little earlier. Come a And be later. ready to wave hello to Adamaya if he's there. Why? I mean, you can, but... <laughs> Just say hi. Enjoy the articles, Adam. Yeah. Enjoy the bumper sticker award that you keep giving it to the wrong person. <laughs> I'd love to get to know more of you guys yeah. out there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, so we'll be back next week to chat USC spring practice and possibly the addition of some other prospects to this to this uh, 2015 or 2016 and 2017 class. Uh, for all that and the latest in USC, check back next week here on the Trojansports.com podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's Trojansports.com podcast. Your one-stop shopping for everything Trojan sports. Recaps, previews, the best in recruiting, and some fun and frivolity with the boys. Follow the guys on Twitter at Bangubo, at Chris B. Swanson, and at Adam J. Maya. We'll see you next week on the Trojansports.com podcast.